My name is Kelly Tyen, and welcome to Addicted to the Climb. Hey guys, welcome to the show. You are going to learn how I overcome adversity, hear from people just like you that have faced challenges and still keep climbing. Are you ready to elevate your life and choose your path? Let's do it together. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome back to my show, Addicted to the Climb. I am so excited to chat today with my guest. I heard her story on another podcast and couldn't wait to bring her on my own show. She is the epitome of someone who is addicted to the climb, and she is over 60 years old, and she keeps on getting better. Her motto and her own podcast is called Age is Irrelevant. So buckle up and get ready to be more inspired to become unstoppable no matter how old you are right now. I am introducing Helen Fritch. Like I said, she's 62 years old and she has been a lifelong competitive athlete. She is a flight attendant for over 34 years and the host of her own show, Age is Irrelevant podcast. She is an IFBB bodybuilding pro, a published fitness model with seven magazines, including Oxygen, Strong Magazines, and many more. She's a certified wine specialist. So she loves her wine, and I can't wait to talk to her about that. <laughs> and she believes that age is irrelevant to pursue goals, dreams, and desires. She says your age should never define you or govern your way of thinking. It's never too late to jump outside of the box and take that leap of faith to get you where you want to go and be. She's here to rebrand and redefine the terms old age and over the hill, inspiring other women over 40 50, 60, and beyond along the way. Welcome, Helen. Thank you, Kelly. I'm so honored to be on your show. Thank you. We have so much to talk about. I mean, you, like I said, are the epitome of someone addicted to the climb because I'm sure in your 60 years of living, there's been many setbacks and obstacles that you've had to face. And I want to dive in and talk about them and how you, you know, keep going and you're still going and you're not stopping. So why don't you take us back and tell us a little bit about how you grew up in, I guess, how you got yourself on the climb to where you are today. Okay. Well, I was very fortunate um, growing up. My, both my parents were athletes. And so I have a younger brother and sister. We were all a year apart. And my father worked for Texas Instruments. And so we actually moved every couple of years. And he took us all over the States. He took us over to Europe. I lived in Germany growing up, uh, Mexico City for a bit, up in Canada. And we were always active. You know, back then growing up in the 60s, especially when I lived in Europe, we didn't have TV. So we just depended on ourselves to go out. And so we were out with the family every weekend playing, you know, games in the park, running, biking. Um, we lived behind, we had a forest behind our house. We were always in that forest, climbing trees and making up games and stuff like that. So my father was a very uh, successful athlete in high school and college. And I would go home and look at all his medals and his certificates and his trophies. And I just thought, I just want to be like him one day. And finally, I couldn't wait, you know, junior high, I started playing basketball and I was a cheerleader. And then I went into high school. And luckily, you know, back then, I think I was just naturally gifted an athlete. I excelled. Uh, I lettered in four sports in high school. 
excelled track and field was my specialty and we were state champions every year. And then I went on to the University of Kentucky and I ran track there. But my father had such a strong work ethic. Literally on the weekends, he'd have me out on the track and we'd be doing our own practices. I, I would practice every week, you know, during the week with my coach at school. And then he'd have me out on the track, um, you know, practicing, you know, basketball or running or I was on the tennis team also, too. So, you know, he was with the, he was like that with all of us. And uh, he, you know, his motto was he was a Marine and once a Marine, always a Marine. So it was like this chop, 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 and we're going to get things done and nothing's going to be left behind. And I think I just developed my strong work ethic and focus and drive, you know, from him. And so even uh, when I got outside of school, uh, graduated from college, I still continued to work out and get things done and uh, you know went through the whole jazzercise and aerobic step phase and all that kind of fun stuff and then finally uh, I was um, 55 years old here, here we go and um, I actually did become a personal a certified personal trainer in the early 1990s which I really enjoyed but I gave up my certification because it was just too difficult for me to be traveling all over the states trying to get you know uh, more credits and keep my certification up to date. So uh, I'm in my 50s now, and then all of a sudden I thought, oh my gosh, 60s are just around the corner, and I just decided I wanted to get in the best shape of my life. So I asked around, and people suggested bodybuilding, and I thought, oh well, that's interesting. So you know, what what does that entail? Well, a really strict diet and no alcohol, and. At that point in my life, I had discovered wine, and um, wine is my hobby. I became a certified wine specialist, and I was working at a wine shop and chocolate shop at the time, and I thought, I drink wine every day. I, I, can't, I can't give this up. <laughs> so I shelved the whole idea, but you know, I'm a strong proponent of the universe, and I'm a strong proponent of blinders off and be on point with your peripheral vision at all times, because the universe wants the best for you and it's always offering um, good things and a lot of people are just blind to those offerings and I'm not and I walked into the gym one day to train with a friend who just happened to be a competitor and she was working with a gal who was getting ready for a show and they were practicing posing and the gal says to me are you a competitor and I said no and they both said well you should be and I just started thinking about it again and I thought hmm I wonder if this is a sign and my girlfriend who competes says, Helen, there's a show in a month. Well, of course, we both, you being a competitor too, know that you can't get ready in a month. But back then, I didn't know that. So here I was, 56, and I said, okay, I'll do it. I can do anything for a month. And I entered this 35-plus show in bikini, and I came in third. And here I was up there with all these really, really young gals who could, could, could have been my daughter. And so I kind of got this like high thinking, oh my God, my body changed drastically just in a month's time because of the diet. And I decided to continue. And then a the few months later, I did a big national show and I came in third in that show. And I just continued and continued. And then finally on my 60th birthday, I did a big national show and I won and I turned pro. Wow, this and, is unbelievable. Uh, that's my, uh, I've been just, uh, you know, competing ever since. I have, I still compete. I actually am getting ready to send in my 2020 IFBB Pro Card application for this year, and my first show is going to be in June. And I do chuckle at myself, wondering, you know, how much longer I'm going to be wanting to parade around and uh, 
five inch heels and a thong bikini in my 60s. Um, but you know, at this point for me, it's just as long as my continue to improve my physique and I'm having fun because I have a great posse of gals that I compete with, um, I'm gonna keep on doing it. So that's pretty much my story. And I'm just such a firm believer in, you know, age truly is, is irrelevant in anything that you do. It really truly is. You really are an incredible, strong, you know, woman of empowerment and you're running with that. But I wanna go back because you jumped to when you were 55 and had the bug of asking about bodybuilding and jumping into that. But what about the ages from 30 to 50? Just give me a little idea. And the people listening right now, were you eating well? Did you always take, I know you were an athlete growing up, but were you always taking care of your body? Were you mindful of the food that you ate during those years? Because I know this right. people listening right now saying, well, I'm 50 right now and I don't see a bodybuilding competition in my future. I'm so far away from that. So right, right. tell us a little bit about those so, years. Yeah, and, and you talked about you talked about earlier also too, you know, obstacles and, and things that happen along the way. Um, I actually got married in my mid twenties and I got divorced um, just before I turned 30. And that was probably one of the most tragic, painful, heart-wrenching things I've ever gone through. I look back now and it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me for a couple of reasons, because it, it, it totally made me become much more independent. It totally made me rely on myself. It gave me a more, instead of you know, I had this eyes always forward mantra and it started really back then because I think a lot of us have a tendency to look in the past and reflect on, oh, you know, the good things, but sometimes the bad things outweigh the good, but we tend to shove that in the closet. <laughs> so uh, I was forced to, you know, get out of this marriage. I was forced to pick up and move. I rented a, a U-Haul and I had a bed and a TV to my name and I moved, uh, several hundred miles away from uh, Lexington, Kentucky to Charlotte, North Carolina, started a brand new career. I was a teacher, I was a phys ed teacher, and I decided I wanted to become a flight attendant. So I applied with a Piedmont Airlines and I got hired, and I just wanted to start a, a new chapter. Um, but as far as eating back then, um, my saving grace was working out because it was just such a mindset release because I'd be so miserable, but I would go to the gym and take these classes and then leave feeling good and feeling good about myself. You know, the eating back then, it's not like it was today. I mean, I ate well, but you know, my definition of well back then, I can't even remember. Um, I don't, I didn't, I'm, I've never been a big, big junk, junk eater. I do enjoy my sweets and I don't really specifically remember my specific diet, but in my thirties and forties, my mission was as long as I continue to work out, and stay in decent shape, then I'm pretty much going to be able to eat what I want and everything in moderation. So, you know, today with you being a competitor, you know, I, I cook in bulk and I weigh all my food now. So I'm very, very specific on my macros. And back then there was no such thing. I didn't have a food scale. So it's just one of those things where, you know, I just wanted to work out, feel good, and continue to be able to enjoy my wine or enjoy, you know, a, a beer piling out with friends, or if I wanted to eat a burger and fries, I didn't even think, I didn't even think, think twice about it. So, and that just pretty much took me through my thirties and forties. I was in generally good health and didn't have any you know, major health issues. And 
till actually uh, my 50s when I started this bodybuilding um, path and I went in for an annual checkup and my blood work came back bad. So I went back in to get rechecked and uh, I was told that I had chronic lymphocytic leukemia. So I've had that for five years and I am very, very thankful that I think because of my proactive uh, lifestyle, eating healthy and um, exercising that I've actually kept this leukemia at bay. It's a very, very slow growing cancer but I have no side effects. I'm not on any medication. I've done no chemo and I feel very, very fortunate. I go to a homeopathic doctor. I do acupuncture. You know, I really try to be mindful of what I'm eating um, because, because that is in the back of my mind, but I don't let it define me and I don't let it um, take over. I'm, I'm definitely not a victim slash martyr type person or I don't have that mentality. It's just for me an added layer of who I am. So, wow. I mean, that's an unbelievable story to hear that you're, you didn't even have to go on chemo and just working out and taking care of your body was such a benefit for you. So mm -hmm. for those listening, just be active in your lifestyle because it really does help. I've had, my dad had suffered from, he was on his way to leukemia, but he had a stem cell transplant, but he's been a runner his whole life. He really just takes care of himself. He's active. And I believe that helps in the long run. So being active is such a huge part of my life. And I, you know, for my clients, we can't stress that enough. So right now, everyone, just even if it's just doing 10 minutes a day, start mm -hmm. where you are right now to just start moving. Because I believe that. I think also, too, a lot of women our age also, too, I've talked to women and they basically, they'll tell me, I hate exercising I hate going to the gym and I'm like but there's other forms of exercise go out and take a stroll around your neighborhood I mean that's I, I have a couple of friends who've actually you know lost weight just speed walking around their neighborhood they they didn't lift a weight they didn't do you know anything and modify and tweak your diet you know a lot of people don't know like I don't drink soda um, but a lot of people will have three or four or five sodas a day and I'm like you know just start with little baby steps and start tweaking that you know if you're drinking five Cokes a day, you know, there's so much sugar and so much, so many carbs in that one drink. You know, I don't expect you to go cold turkey, but just start weaning yourself off. And it's amazing to me that I might run into these people a few weeks later or a month later. They're like, you're not going to believe this. I went down to drinking like one soda a day and I lost eight pounds or something crazy. So it's great for me to see that they actually can see that it's possible with not doing anything detrimental because a lot of us like you and I, you know, we're professional competitive athletes, whereas there's other people out there who just want to feel good and just live an everyday normal life. And they're not in that, you know, trench of mindset and focus on, you know, and, and, and drive. They just want to feel good. But um, slowly but surely, you know, drinking all those sodas, inflammation, clogging of the arteries, it's just this buildup that is so slow growing. And then the next thing you know, you know, a heart attack's around the corner or something detrimental. Right. And I think people might look at you because, you know, you are a bodybuilder. I mean, you should see her, you guys. She's beautiful. I mean, she's beautiful on the inside as well, but she, you can tell she really takes care of herself. And a lot of women think once they turn 40, I'm, I'm done. And I'm, I'm sure you come across so many women that come to you. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's, you don't have to go out and go do 
crazy weights for an hour a day, six days a week to feel better. Just starting with that walk or what other advice can you give the woman right now that's so desperate to just do something? What do you tell those women how to start, what to eat? Give us a couple tips. I think the first, well, there's two things. First and foremost, it's mindset. Mindset governs everything. If, you, if you're not mindful and if you're not focused on what you want to accomplish, then you're going to fail. You know, so many people will start with the New Year's resolutions in January and they look at the big picture down the road, but they can't go from A to Z. And when they start, they realize that, then they just give up. Whereas if you have a proper mindset and you start attacking your goals in small increments and small steps, and you're going from A to B and B to C, I think that's just huge. And if you really want something and you have a positive mindset about it, then it, that's going to help your drive and perseverance. Secondly, you have to surround yourself with like-minded people. You have to have a community that supports you and holds you accountable. Because even for people like you and me and my other competitor friends, there's times when I do not want to go to the gym. There's times when I come home from work and I've been up since three in the morning and I'm late and then I still have to get a workout in. And you know, sometimes we're our best cheerleaders and other times we're our, our, our worst enemies. So I'll give a call to somebody, hey, can you meet me at the gym? Or I'll text somebody, um, give me some, you know, positive, you know, feedback here. I don't want to go to the gym, but I need to go, you know, something along that line, join a group, join a club, hire a trainer, hire a nutritionist, have somebody hold you accountable. So every week you're checking in every other day you're checking in because that makes a huge, huge difference. There's certain things that you can do on your own, but if you're new to working out, if you're new to, uh, trying to lose weight or a nutrition plan, then you do need guidance. You do need a mentor. You do need someone to help you along the way. We all enter venues new at some point. And I didn't know anything about bodybuilding. I felt like I was a rat in a maze in the beginning. And now I, like, I, I know a lot about it. So it's just one of those things where I feel very fortunate that I've had great coaches along the way. Um, and like you, I'm a huge podcaster. I listen to so many podcasts. I'm like a little sponge and I've learned so much just from listening to podcasts and from reading books and on nutrition. And I go to a homeopath. So I've learned so much about supplementation and herbs. So I just think mindset and surrounding yourself with like-minded people to begin your journey at whatever hobby or whatever interest you have makes the best and the hugest difference. I couldn't agree more. And I love what you said about holding yourself accountable, but you're so proactive with yourself. And I know there's not a lot of people like that. Were you always that way? Did you always, you know, hold yourself to the highest standards? Because it seems that you're very grounded in your own, you know, skin and you're grounded in what you want. But what did that just come naturally for you? No, I think it was actually because of my father, um, because he was a huge influence on me and he was a very huge successful athlete. So for me, in my mind, I just wanted to make him proud of me. So that was my, that was my go-to. It was, you know, he, it was just, it was him and me. I kind of chuckled because he would come to my 
track meets, he'd come to my basketball games, you know, and uh, my, my mother at the time, she would come every now and then, and she, but she'd be home cooking dinner, and by the time we got home, everything was on the table, and I think that's just how things were back then. It's not like today, um, but I just wanted to make him proud, and I think that's what drove me, so that's why I feel like if you have somebody hold you accountable, and it could be your husband, it could be your boyfriend, your, your friends, or whoever, but, you know, nobody wants to fail. And everybody wants to succeed. So make sure that you're in an environment that promotes success versus failure. Absolutely. And that's my hashtag. I use it all the time. No one succeeds alone. I truly believe that. We all need someone, whether they're two steps ahead of us or, you know, they've done their, where we want to be. You reach out to those people because there's so many clients of mine that said, well, I don't have anybody or I don't know where to go. Well, then if you have to hire someone, hire someone. Like you said, you have to be proactive. You really do. Because if you want to get those results, if they're looking at you, Helen, at you know 60 years old and you're a dream to them, well, you're really not. If they want it, they can do it. I mean, age is irrelevant. And I love that because I truly believe that. I'm 46. I've never felt better in my life. It's because I take action every day even when I don't want to, just what you said. Of course, I don't want to wake up every morning and work out. I just got home from, you know, I, I was away this past weekend and, you know, I skipped two days of the gym. And then this morning I woke up and I'm like, oh, I have to get on my Peloton. I, I wanted to enjoy my coffee, but I said, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to feel better if I get on the Peloton even for 20 minutes. And I think that's the mentality we need to have in when you're stuck in a rut or you feel unmotivated, either turn on a podcast, call someone like you said. I just love all that advice that you just gave. It's, it really can get you to that next step. It's a game changer. It's, it's truly a game changer. And, and not only in physical fitness, but really in anything. You know, Personally, uh, my sister lost her husband a, a couple of years ago unexpectedly, and she is 60. But she's thriving today because she has taken that step out and she is like, she loves to play pickleball and she loves to play golf. So she joined the pickleball league and she went out to the golf course and signed up for golf lessons. And then now she's taking Spanish lessons and now she has a circle of friends and she's doing all these things and meeting coffee. She's doing this initiative on her own. So it's not only for working out, but it's just for anything in life. You might love to knit. You may love to paint. You know, you may love to travel. Well, there's so many groups out there, especially on social media today. You can join a Facebook travel group. You can join a Facebook craft group. You can go to Michael's and take classes there. I mean, you know, the world really is considering everything that's going on, a really lovely, lovely place. And there are so many wonderful people. So it's just not working out, but it's just anything in life. And I think you've had that mindset that regardless of how old you are and whatever age you are, if there's something you want to try or something that you want to do, yeah, it's scary and it's uncomfortable. But, you know, if you just take that first step, then, and once you're in, then, then you're gold. It's just that it's just taking that first step. And I know that's probably the toughest, but that's why you need your friends to encourage you to move on or go with. And, uh, the, the, I've never ever had anybody come back and say, Oh, you know, I, I decided to, 
you know, learn how to play golf and, oh, it's horrible. I hate it. I mean, everybody that I know like likes to play golf or whenever anything that they've tried initially, they're like, oh my gosh, I really like this. Like I, I played pickleball for the first time this summer. And I was like, oh yeah, that's just for, you know, people who are like, you know, 80 years old. Oh no. I mean, people of all ages were out in those courts. We had a blast. It's very, very social. People are like, you're switching around, you know, playing back, back, you know, boom, 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 games back to back. So that's another great way to meet people. Um, join a gym, take classes there, hire a personal trainer. I mean, there are so many things that are out there, but it's just, it's just the initiative of making that that first step and once you make that first step and once you start seeing those results that's your inspiration that's your go-to that's when you know you start training start prepping for a show you know and you're off season you've got this nice little uh, you know fluff going on and then all of a sudden really within a matter of just a couple of weeks you can start seeing changes that to me even as many years as I've been competing I'm like oh it's, it's starting to come in you know so that that excites me so you know, I think about the women out there who have never worked out or really haven't focused on trying to lose, you know, a certain amount of weight. And when you first get those initial sipping on the scale and you've lost five pounds, you're like, oh my gosh, I can do this. So it's just really, once again, internal, it's internal talk. hundred percent. That is all, you know, my course that I have is called Addicted to the Climb as well. And it's a step-by-step, -step. it's all internal talk. It's, you know, putting in the work, to you know you have to feed your own mind as well because you're not going to wake up motivated you're not going to wake up happy you have to do that internal work every single day because it's hard it is hard and when you mention the golf thing <laughs> i hope my husband doesn't listen to this episode because he has been asking me to golf with him <laughs> i'm going to hold myself accountable now and maybe learn how to golf I have oh, that. It's so, it's so fun. You, I've you never know. done it. And you said all that. I'm like, maybe this is the universe telling us, Kelly, get on the golf course and just learn so you can do this with your husband. Mm -hmm. I have that fear. So I know what it's like to not want to do something because I'm afraid to try. Yeah, you know? don't, don't be afraid. Do you have, right. do you have top golf where you're at? I mean, if you have top golf, you should go to top golf. Maybe Ask your husband. Sneak. Yeah. If, if you, I'll sneak if, uh, away. It's a big like outdoor golfing area, but they have a restaurant and a bar. It's very, very social and it's really, really fun. And so you're out there just hitting into, you know, just a, like you're not actually going around a golf course. You're just standing in these little bays and you're hitting golf balls out into the, you know, um, field out there. Um, I love it. It's a total blast. It doesn't really matter if, if you're good or you're bad. They're just there for I the good time. I love it. But see, that's my fear of, you know, I don't, I don't know how to golf. I don't know what I'm doing. And so, but you know what? I'm going to take the step. So we'll circle back around in a couple months. I'll let you know how it's going. <laughs> good. <laughs> but Helen, I want to talk to you. I want to touch on this really quickly um, because being such a workout, you know, you're not just a, woman that works out. I mean, you're a bodybuilder, you're on stage, you're doing these shows, but now you're also a certified wine specialist. Mm -hmm. That's my number one question, all my women clients. Can I drink wine on the plan? Can I drink wine? How much wine can I drink? Tell us about this being a certified wine specialist. Do you still drink wine? How do you, what do you recommend to women that still want to work out, be healthy, you know, and have their wine? Right, right. Oh, yes, I still drink wine. <laughs> um, my coaches probably won't like to hear that, especially during prep. Um, 
but I have cut back drastically on my wine drinking. And like anything else, when I first started competing, I, you know, I would come home from work and have a glass of wine with dinner or getting dinner ready. I mean, I think that's just like a norm for us. And then, you know, then that's the second glass and then might be a third glass with, with dinner. Um, but now I never even drink during the week at all. Um, I, the only time I really drink is when I'm out socially with friends. And in fact, it might be a, a glass or two. Um, but I've always been, uh, what's really funny is that years ago, I had a little um, catering business. And so being a flight attendant, I was able to fly wherever I wanted to. So I would fly out to Napa Valley to take cooking classes at the uh, CIA and the, um, some of the little um, culinary schools at Napa Valley Community College and some other schools out there. And in between, I was not a wine drinker. I was in my 40s. So I just thought, I need, I need to learn how to drink wine. And so I went around. And finally, after you know, trying several wines, I found something that I liked. And a lot of people have a tendency to start with sweet wines, and then you kind of improve your palate and go to a little bit drier. Um, and then I just took the tests uh, through and got accredited. Um, I have like my second level degree. I'm an advanced uh, level in wine. And I've worked at uh, several wine shops and it's a passion for me. And I travel all over the world for work. So for me, it's exciting to fly to Paris and be able to drink, you know, Provence uh, rosé on the Champs-Élysées or, you know, wherever. So it's just, it's so fun. But when women come to me asking me about wine, you know, in 2008, we were talking about ruts um, earlier and things that had gone on in my life. I was in a total rut. And once again, the universe you know, opened up its arms to me. My nephew played football out in Oregon and we would go out to watch him play. I would go out there to watch him play at least once a year. And I would always tell my sister, let's go to a night game so I can wine taste during the day. And happened to come across this little winery and the owner and I hit it off and we would go back every year. And every year I went back, I had more knowledge and more certifications under my belt. And then finally, I was, uh, my company at the time was U.S. Airways and they had an overflow of uh, flight attendants. So they were offering leaves of absence. And I just got this light bulb idea thinking, oh my gosh, I wonder, I called uh, the owner of the winery out in uh, Salem, Oregon, and asked him if he might need help for the crush. And he said, yes, as a matter of fact. And I said, well, could you use help for six months? And he said, absolutely. And so then all of a sudden, once I made that decision, the universe opened up its doors and I found a place to live out there and um, the owners had a friend who let me borrow a car. And the next thing you know, I was a wine intern at this winery making $10 an hour and never worked so hard in my whole life. It was the most physically grueling, brutal thing I've ever done in my life. I was in, in my early fifties. It was me and four guys who were in their twenties. And when I showed up, they all like rolled their eyes. I knew how strong I was. So I wasn't worried about that. But once I proved my worth, it was all good, but it was exhilarating to see the grapes come in from crush and process the grapes, but physically exhausting. And it was just a true life lesson for me. My life was extremely simple back then, but um, I would see how much sugar, I mean, the grapes were obviously sweetened on their own, but in order to increase the uh, fullness of a wine, you'll, you need to add sugar. So we would you know, do formulas and add literally pounds of sugar to to the grape must and that's what pops up the because the yeast inside are eating the sugar and then they let off alcohol so that's how the alcohol content is evaluated and 
I know how much people might be drinking red wine, but red wine does have a lot of sugar. So my advice to women is when they want to drink wine is that think about the equator. The further away from the equator you are, the colder the climate. The colder the climate, the less sugar. Okay. If you're closer to the if you're closer to the equator, it's going to be hotter. So the grapes are going to be a lot fuller and more robust. Whereas if you're up in the Alsace region or the Champagne region of France, it's going to be chilly up there. So or even like Pinot Noir up in uh, in in Oregon. So if you're further away from the equator, then it's going to be less sugar. So um, champagne, sparkling wine, um, something along that line is probably going to be, or a really dry uh, white wine from the Alsace region. Those are going to be like the wines that have the least amount of sugar. And so more, I have a tendency to direct people to drink white wine if they're looking to uh, lower their sugar content from wine. Wow. This was a great lesson because I know many women love their wine and they're so afraid, you know, which ones do they drink? But I've heard champagne is one mm -hmm. of the cleaner, you know, choices. If we're going to choose anything, have a glass of champagne. So that is correct. That is correct. And what's, okay. what's, what's easy for me when I first started telling people about this, because a lot of times you might go into a restaurant, you might not, you might look and go, oh my gosh, I don't rec re recognize any of these wines. That's okay. Just look where they're from. So if you see something from Australia, you'll think, wow, that's kind of close to the equator. So those wines are going to be a little bit more fuller body. But then if you see something from France and it's a sparkling wine or, or, you know, you can ask your waiter or waitress, you know, where's this wine from? And so if you can get an idea of where it is and how far away it is from the equator, then that's obviously a better choice for you. So a lot of people had that concept much easier and it's helped me tremendously too, because uh, I'll go in with friends and they're like, Helen, you pick out the wine. And I'm looking going, I don't recognize any of this, but I know this region. I know this, I know this. And so I just blindly pick stuff and it always works. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. I love it because I love my wine as well. And you know, I love to work out and sometimes um, I say to myself, should I not have that second glass? But if you're choosing the right ones and you have a glass, but, you know, cut back during the week, ladies. Don't drink your wine every single day if you have a goal to reach, right? I mean, we don't want to be drinking wine every right. single night. On the weekends, have your glass of wine. Don't feel guilty about it because I think that's another thing. I'm not the coach that tells anybody to go cold turkey on anything because we have to live life as well. But when right. you have a goal cutting back is what you need to do. Well, they also have some of those things that have come out now like Bear's Claw and Truly where they're, they're seltzers and they have, they're really super clean, like probably less than a gram of sugar and then uh, just a little, a small amount of alcohol. So if you want to be social and you want to have a little, some, little something something, as we say down here in the South, um, have something like that too. So there's a lot of good alternatives out there too. If you want to be social and not be a, you know, just drink water and feel like you're participating in the group. <laughs> exactly. So now that you shared these little secrets, because I love them, I know you have another secret and it's called BFR that we briefly talked about, but I'm truly interested in what that is. Is it, Tell us about that because I really, I don't even know what it is, but we, you mentioned it. Okay. 
Well, BFR training, I worked out with my coaches today. And uh, what we do is, uh, it's, it's, it's BFR stands for blood restriction flow. And basically, you can Google that, but they're, they're cuffs that you'll stick around the upper portion of your legs, uh, right up close to your groin, or you can, they have BFR cuffs for your arms. So you would stick them high up on your arm, basically underneath your armpit. And what this does, um, these are pressurized cuffs. You'll pull them as tight as you can. My coaches have actually, it looks like uh, you hook a little tube to it and it's like you're getting a blood pressure uh, test done because they can pump and the cuff blows up and it starts restricting blood flow. And I, <laughs> I did this leg workout today and it was, it was brutal. But the bands reduced the oxygen oxygen supply to the muscles in order to pre-fatigue the slow twitch muscle fibers and diminish their response to workout loads. So basically you put these cuffs on and so all the blood that might be, for example, today in your legs is going to be, I don't want to use the word stuck, but it's going to pool up in your glute area. And so in order for muscle to grow, it has to have that blood supply. So for 20 minutes, I had these cuffs on doing this you know pressurized cuff doing this workout so it's restricting the blood flow and it's keeping all that blood engorged in my muscle which the blood is feeding are we here i lost you for a minute hello yes i lost you for a minute here i am oh okay i'm so sorry oh yeah i was like uh oh <laughs> uh, you know what when doing a live podcast, anything can happen at this point. So that's okay. We'll continue. So you are saying, you know, it, it, it feed it, the blood flow. Yeah, exactly. So the purpose of the cuffs are to, you know, keep this blood in this specific area because the blood's going to feed all, feed all the cells. It's going to feed all the muscles and it's just going to engorge that area with rich, rich oxygen supply. And, you know, is the goal is to, when you're working out and you're lifting anything resistant, you're wanting to get that blood supply to that muscle in order for that muscle to grow. So this just is an extra benefit uh, that, you know, we're both uh, bikini girls, I think. So, you know, obviously the, the goal in bikini is to have, you know, really great firm, you know, glutes and hamstrings. And I can definitely see a difference. Wow. Would you and, recommend that for a person, you know, fairly new at working out? You know, some of my clients listening right now, they're not advanced. They're more in the beginner. Would they benefit from that? Yes, actually, because um, my coach and I talked about that today because he's a big study guy. And he was telling me that even there's been studies done that if people who are putting on these cuffs and taking a 20 minute stroll out around their neighborhood, still are seeing improvements. Wow. Okay, ladies and gents, did you hear that? <laughs> it's for the men out there too, right? Oh yeah. Oh no, no. Yeah. It's, you know, and you can get those online. So they're not very, they're not very expensive. You can carry them in your gym bag. Um, I don't, you, I use mine every other week <clears throat> just because uh, I'm on the road so much, but if you're home, you know, you might want to consider using it, you know, um, once a week uh, or, you know, couple times a week, but definitely, you know, the goal is to engorge all that blood in the muscle because that's what helps the muscle grow. Yes. I love it. That's, that's exciting. I'm excited to try it. Thank you for sharing that too. So now that you've shared 
lots of good stuff. I want to know, you know, because once you turn 50, things change in your body. Then once you hit 60, I'm sure it's even mm-hmm. more changes in your skin, mm-hmm. in, you know, on your face and your body. And I was just having this conversation with someone the other day. She's mid-50s, and she says, Kelly, my skin on my legs, I run, I do this. Do you have any tips on what you do in your, you know, your self-care routine? Is there anything that you could tell my ladies that are listening right now that are maybe over 50 <laughs> and want, you know, there's so many gimmicks out there as well, lotions and this and that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, do you believe in dry, right. you know, dry brushing or any of those things? Do you do any of that? Right, right. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, at one point, a couple of years ago, I had a, a gal, an editor to, uh, to a magazine, it's called Max Sports and Fitness, and she approached me and asked me if I'd write an article called Forever Young. So I was writing this article every month, and one of my um, articles was called, it's all about the long haul. You know, in today's world, there's so many quick fixes, and, you know, what's the trick, and, you know, I want to do something fast. It's, you know, the world is so fast-paced. But for me, it's like classic textbook, you know, and for women in their 50s, things can still change. But I think if you really pay attention to eating a clean slash cleaner diet, um, moderation, obviously, in alcohol, tons of water, tons and tons and tons of water. My goal is to drink a gallon of water a day. Um, Stay out of the sun. If you're in the sun, use sunscreen. Um, You know, don't smoke. I mean, get enough rest. Sleep is imperative. I have to. I am just a control freak when it comes to my sleep. So um, those are like the basics. But outside of that, you know, I do my best to try to take really, really good care of my skin because this is, this is, this is what I have. So I'm a firm, believer, a firm believer in Retin-A. I think that's super, super important to have. I think that definitely helps. Um, I'm a huge believer in vitamin C serum. And there's all different kinds out there that you can get. Um, but that's going to help even out your complexion and help with rosacea and fine lines. And like you said, there's so many products out there. Um, as far as lotions go, um, I like just using, for me, a good hydrating natural lotion. There's a lot of chemicals and all this stuff out there now. But for cellulite, though, um, my little gimmick is um, grapefruit essential oil. And you mix that with um, you can get some of those um, little rollers on Amazon. I have a pile of them here because I make my own little. Um, uh, essential oil um, roller concoctions. And so one for sore muscles, one for calm, uh, one for, you know, sleep, etc. But if you take six, six to eight drops of grapefruit essential oil, and then you'll add a carrier oil like jojoba oil or coconut oil in this little roller ball, and you roll it on the back of your legs, that will help with cellulite. Wow. Okay, is everybody ready to do this? <laughs> when you do this, make sure you tag us and let us know that you're doing this. I'm definitely going to try it. I mean, sometimes, you know, you work out so hard and, you know, you just, I think also is just being consistent with your workouts. You can't jump on a workout routine for a week and then take two weeks off, okay, people? That's not going to work. You have to get on, even if it's twice a week, just be consistent with the twice a week right? I mean, it's, 
it really is about consistency in everything you do. That well, that and diet. I mean, diet's key. I mean, for me, I mean, I think we both know it's like it's eighty percent diet. It really, truly is. I mean, if you get you know if you get your body moving, that's one thing. But you know, the key to improve. I think the reason my skin looks as good as it does is because I'm eating so clean. When I first started competing, I have a picture which I laugh about, and it was just I had the smallest little pancake butt and all the cellulite in the back of my legs, and then I just did my latest pro show back in August and I'm, I did a comparison and I threw it on my Instagram page and it's just like unbelievable. I, I look at myself thinking, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm, you know, 60, you know, one years old in that picture and my glutes and my hamstrings look like that, you know, so you can improve cellulite. I, I don't have cellulite anymore. So it is, it is actually uh, improvable, but you really need to do resistance training. And I, I mean, the grapeseed, I mean, excuse me, the grapefruit um, essential oil is helpful, but, you know, weight training is, is key. Definitely. It's key. Pick up those hand weights, whatever it is, and don't just do the cardio because that's not going to get the muscle definition, the tightening of the skin, exactly what you said. People think cardio, 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 mm -mm. because I sometimes even sweat more when I'm doing a leg workout or, you know holding my weights and doing my shoulder presses. I'm sweating more than I am when I'm walking on the treadmill. So that's, oh, yeah. that's good advice. Make sure you guys are weight training. I mean, don't be afraid of it. Reach out, find a trainer, have somebody guide you. Don't just jump in. You can get hurt. So, but thanks so much. I mean, everything that you gave us today, I'm so excited about. And um, you truly really are an inspiration. And I'm excited to watch Thank you. you. Well, you know, I'm so excited to just watch you continue to grow and see what you do next. So my show, Being Addicted to the Climb, is about climbing. Why don't you tell us what, what are you climbing towards next? Well, I'm actually getting ready to, I mean, the planning stages of uh, hosting um, Age is Irrelevant retreats geared towards women over 50. Wow. And um, we're going to be going to a very fun destination out west and staying at a like really really nice resort for three or four days and then you know have all types of activities and probably you know my goal is to disseminate not only information as far as working out and nutrition but all of us are going through hormonal changes now and are getting that extra little added layer of fat around our middle that we never had before or um you know just things along that that line because we've all been through that so it's just going to be more of a, you know, once again, gathering a group of women together with the same like-minded, you know, goals. And then all of a sudden you've, you have all these new friends and then you're whole, you have other people to help you hold yourself accountable. And I think it's going to be really, really great. And then do activities that might make some people uncomfortable, but allow them to try something with the support there to prove to themselves as well as to everyone around them that they can do it. So um, that's my uh, that's my biggest thing right now. So I can keep you posted on that. <laughs> that sounds incredible. I love it. So if anyone's listening, make sure you guys follow Helen. And Helen, where can everybody find you? Where can everybody find you, Helen? Um, they can find me on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, I'm at Helen Fritch, H-E-L-E-N. And then my last name is Epison Frank, R-I-T-S-C-H. And then on Instagram, I'm at 
Helen Fritch underscore IFBB Pro. And then I do have a website, ageisirrelevant.com. And on that website, I have all my podcast interviews from all these amazing women that I interview over 40, 50, 60, and beyond who are extremely inspirational, motivational, and transformational. I, I've already listened to so many, and they really are. I mean, you had a woman on there that's a CrossFitter. She was 72. I mean, talk about inspiration. Oh, I mean, yes. listen, if you're out there right now, and stop giving yourself excuses. I think after listening to Helen today, you guys just need to get up and do something to make yourself feel proud. Stop looking at everyone else and wishing. Do something for yourself because if Helen's doing it at 62 years old, you definitely can. She, we're no different than you. I tell my clients that all the time. I don't have more motivation. I don't have more discipline. I just do the work. And I just can't thank you enough for sharing everything you shared today on the show. You, again, are the ultimate inspiration to me. So yes, I'm super excited to keep following you and thanks again. I hope um, we can meet again. I hope so too. I had a great time. And as I like to always say, uh, one of my um, podcast guests said this and I could agree more. We need to shed the should and do. Exactly. I'm in. (laughs) Well, thanks guys for listening and If you have any questions or want to reach out, feel free to DM either one of us. And also, don't forget, subscribe, write a review, and tag us both so we know you love the show. Have a great time. And until next week, keep on climbing. If you love this episode, make sure you guys tag me. And because I appreciate you all so much, I am offering you 10% off my course, Addicted to the Climb. You can find that on my website, kellytyan.com. Make sure to spell it K-E-L-L-E-Y-T-Y-A-N. Until the next time, keep on climbing.